<clears throat> so I bring you greetings from uh, the people of the Matete region of Kakamega County in western Kenya and the staff of the World Vision Group there. Uh, they ask uh, for your prayers and they commit their prayers to you. And so if you'll just remember and be in prayer for them every morning and know that they are also lifting you up in prayer. Um, when you're in Africa and they start worship, they start uh, with a phrase that uh, the pastor will say, Buana Asifiwe, which is roughly the Swahili equivalent of praise the Lord. And the congregation responds by saying, Amen. This is true, I believe it. So let, let's just try that now. Buana Asifiwe. Now, now, see, God has to hear you say amen. So if you're just mumbling it around, it doesn't work. You've got to say it with enthusiasm and conviction, okay? Buona asafiwe. Louder. Buona asafiwe. Now, the other thing they taught us was this. There's a little take they do on the, uh, you know, God is good all the time thing. So they do, you know, God is good, and the congregation says all the time. The pastor says all the time. The congregation says God is good. And then they add, and that is his nature. Wow. And you can't say, you know, wow, like, you know, wow, right? Because I mean, nobody believes that, right? You have to do it, you have to, wow, hands in the air, okay? You ready? God is good. And all the time. And that is his nature. Wow! There you go. Now you're getting it. <laughs> they would be pleased. They did that the first day, and I was just going, oh, that is so cool. So we're talking about uh, hidden, uh, practicing hidden faith this morning. I'm just going to echo as we start uh, Aaron's, uh, Aaron Williams' email blast she sent out that this is hidden faith. This is not about hiding your faith, okay? Take that off the table, forget it, don't, don't even carry that. This is about hidden faith, entirely different. So if, you, if you're thinking about hiding your faith, sorry, you don't get that excuse. Um, this is about practicing hidden faith. And I'm going to, as we talked about it, you know, one of the, the images that came to my mind was when I was young... <clears throat> And I would get upset about something or I'd be, you know, tweaked about something. And my grandmother would do this thing. She said, you know, every time you point your finger at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Now, I informed her that I found that very annoying, which didn't, didn't get me anywhere at all. And, but, but, but as I got older, I, I started learning, you know, that there's a lot of truth in that. In our, uh, in our dysfunctional, codependent society we live in America, where we always like to make somebody else the bad guy, and we always like to blame somebody else for our problems, and we always want to make somebody else responsible for our happiness or unhappiness, and it always is someone else's problem, the truth of the matter is that it really is us. So, you know, when we say, you know, you ought to pray more, it's, uh, uh, no, I need to pray more. You ought to serve more. No, maybe I, I need to serve more. You shouldn't be such a hypocrite. Well, I shouldn't be such a hypocrite. You should give more. Well, I should give more. You know, the world, the world out there is really messed up. No, really, I'm messed up. People don't treat each other the way they should. Well, no, really, I, I don't treat people the way I should. And I learned that, you know, <laughs> she knew a lot about what she was talking about. And, and Jesus kind of leans into that in this passage today as he begins to talk to his disciples about not practicing their faith in front of others, but rather coming close to God. Let's pray. Mighty God, thank you for uh, bringing us back together this morning, for allowing us to be in this place and to be in worship with one another. Uh, let the power and the presence of your spirit rest upon us. Uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. 
for you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And incidentally, if you read Seedbed this morning, they had Psalm 19, which is where that prayer comes from. So, so Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples. And he starts by saying this, this, in this passage, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, and, and this practicing your piety before others, uh, when J.D. Walt is writing about this uh, a couple of years back, he says, you know, it's this posturing or this pretense of faith where we are, we are showing off to other people how pious we are and how faithful we are. And, and so he says, you know, what, what, what drives that? You know, what, what's behind that? And he says, we want to say pride, but, but, but really it's something he wants to call the Matroshka principle. Y'all know what a Matroshka is? Yeah, I had to look it up too. It's okay. That, that's, the, that's the name of those Russian nesting dolls. They're, they're Matroshka. That's what they're called. And anybody, you know, if you've ever seen them, you know, you, you get one and you, you take the top off of it and there's another one inside of that one. You take that one out and you take the top of that and there's another one inside there. You take the top of that one and there's another one inside. And you keep going until you get down to the smallest one. And when you open up the smallest one, you know what's inside of it? Nothing. It's empty. And what J.D. writes about it, he says, is, is, is that's what causes us to be pretentious in our faith and posturing in our faith is, is actually the emptiness of our own souls, the poverty of our own spirituality, the pain of the emptiness within us. And we try to fill it by acting like we're so wonderful that we get the praise of everyone else instead of going to God. So Jesus in this passage is going to speak into that. He's going to remind us, don't practice your piety in front of others because then you know, you're not going to have any reward from God because what you've gone for is the recognition of others, not recognition from God. Whenever you give alms, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be tra- praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I'm going to play with that just a little bit for a minute. I remind you first off that in the Hebrew tradition, uh, the giving of the first fruits, the 10%, the tithe, was what went to the temple alms were on top of that or beyond that they were what we talk about sometimes as second mile giving you know that one went went beyond and there's what the temple and the priests used to help folks uh, who were in uh, difficult places widows orphans all those kinds of things so it was it was the beyond the second mile giving that they're talking about here uh, the giving of alms and when uh, you think of this story, you may immediately go to another story that Jesus uh, does with his disciples where they're by the temple one day and a wealthy person comes up and gives a bunch of money and then the little widow comes up and drops one coin in and, and he asks them which one is greater. Because at the temple, when you came to donate uh, the, the, the treasury there, they had these big funnel kind of objects that were made out of brass. So if you threw a whole bunch of coins in, you know, it made a lot of noise. Everybody heard that. And so the rich man comes and he throws all these coins in. It makes all kinds of racket. The widow comes up with one little coin and drops it in and it goes down. And Jesus says, so, so who gave more? Well, everybody thinks it's the rich man. And he says, no, 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 it's, it's the widow because she is sacrificing to make that offering. Whereas the rich man is just given out of his leftovers. He's given to show off. 
The same way here, you know, they come down the street, they're sounding trumpets as they go to make their offering, you know, at the temple so that everybody will know what they're doing. Now, J.D., in his commentary on this, he kind of wanted to give the guys a break. He says, you know, maybe it's kind of like a, a public service announcement. You know, we're going to go and, and uh, we'll sound the trumpet so that the folks that need the help will know that there's now money in the treasury and the temple. And, and, I, and I don't think that's what Jesus meant. I think Jesus meant exactly what he said. I think he's, they're walking down the street and they're sounding trumpets so everybody will know how wonderful they are. We're going to give money. Aren't we awesome? Uh, and that's what they're doing. They're, they're getting all this praise from everybody, making sure everybody knows what they're up to so that they're going to be praised by others because that's how they're trying to fill the emptiness is with the praise of the people around them. And he says, you know, when, you're, when you give alms, just do it quietly. Do it in secret. God will know and God will bless you for that. Now, that last little passage is one of the things we, we, we run into once in a while with this. Um, every time we do some kind of a big fundraiser, whether it's a capital campaign or we're raising money for a mission or whatever, uh, we'll ask people, we'll say, well, you know, we want to give, we want to tell the story to inspire other people to give. And they'll go, oh, no, no, because it says, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So you can't do that. And, and, and I'll tell people that, that's okay. I, I get that. We'll take your name out of the story. It'll be anonymous. No one will know it was you. And then you see the disappointment on their face. Oh. Right? I mean, it, it, it's okay to tell the story to inspire people, but it's not for your praise. Because when it's your praise, when you receive praise from other people, you've gotten what you were after. You've received your reward already. John Wesley uh, wrote notes on the New Testament. These are easily available on the, on the Internet, and you can go and find those. Uh, but he writes and he says, Be, Take heed that you do not do the least thing with a view to your own glory. Take heed that a regard to the praise of man have no place at all in your works of mercy. If you seek your own glory, if you have any design to gain the honor that comes of men, whatever is done with this view is worth nothing. It is not done unto the Lord. He accepts it not. You have no reward for our Father which is in heaven." Purity of intention is equally destroyed by a view to any temporal reward, whatever. If we repeat our prayers, if we attend the public worship of God, if we relieve the poor with a view to gain or interest, it is not a whit more acceptable to God than if it were done with a view to praise. Any temporal view, any motivation, whatever, on this side of eternity, any design but that of promoting the glory of God and the happiness of men for God's sake, makes every action, however fair it may appear to men, an abomination unto the Lord. I mean, we've tried to fill that emptiness up with the praise of others and, and put this pretense on, this posturing on, and, and, and we've received what we want from people, but we haven't been blessed of God, and the emptiness remains. Whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you're praying, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, 
I don't know about you, but uh, you know, we've all heard people pray at different times where you know, the pray, prayer seems kind of interminable. And, and those of us who do this you know, for a living, you know, we'll be listening to people, and we're kind of, you know, we're, we're listening to this prayer, and we're thinking, oh, poor guy. You know, he just doesn't know how to land the plane. You know, he can't find the tail end of that prayer, doesn't know how to finish it off. You know, I mean, it just kind of keeps going, you know. Or, or, or sometimes people become enamored of their own voice, and you're listening to them, and they're praying, and you're thinking, boy, they're really enjoying listening to themselves. Uh, many years ago when my family would gather for our family reunion, and my grandmother was still with us at that time, uh, we'd, we'd have a blessing before the big meal at the family reunion. And my grandmother had this really bad habit. If you started praying the blessing for the meal and you started running long, she just would interrupt you in the middle of it and go, Amen! <laughs> Everybody else would go, Amen! And then she'd go, Let's eat! Right? Because, you know, you're there to pray blessing on the meal. And she said, you know, when you go too long, you've gone from praying to preaching. She said, we're not here to hear a sermon. We just want you to pray and bless the meal so we can eat it. Sometimes we do that. You know, we think that, you know, if we just have more words, longer phrases, fancier words, pray louder, whatever, somehow that's going to impress God. And what Jesus says, it's not enough. Just, just go in your room and, and close the door and pray. Now, I don't know about y'all. How, how many of y'all have a, a prayer room or a prayer closet in your house? Okay, see, see I, yeah, I don't have one in my house either. So, you know, the kitchen table is kind of my, that's my prayer space. I come down in the morning and I, I do my morning devotional from, from seed bed and then I, I have my time of prayer there in the, in the morning. Uh, and, and that works for me because once my day gets started, I find it's really hard for me to disengage and come back to pray. But the, the purpose of that is, is to come into that time alone, in private, one-on-one -on -one with God, no one else around, you're not trying to impress anybody, no great verbiage, and just pour out your heart to God. Just you and God. You pour out your heart to God and let God pour out his heart to you. You know, one of the, the qualities of a, a really quality relationship is that kind of direct face-to-face -face time. It doesn't matter if it's parent to child or husband to wife or friend to friend you know, if you want this to be a quality relationship you need to have that kind of direct face-to-face -face time on a regular basis if you neglect to do that uh, you know then, then one day you, you wake up and you look at the other person and you realize that you've become strangers to each other and for too many of us that's what's happened in our relationship with God but God calls us to have this time, this time, a one-on-one -on -one with God alone in whatever space, wherever that can be. Some of you, it, it, it may be in the morning like me. Some of you, it may be in the evening. Uh, for some of you, it may be at the kitchen table or your bedroom or your backyard. Uh, years ago, I had a young woman in one of my churches, and her favorite place for prayer was in the bathroom because it was the only place the kids would leave her alone. But that worked. But to have that space and that time where you can come in the presence of God without having to worry about the words or, or the phrasing and just open up your heart and pour it out and let God pour God's heart out into you. Because that's when the emptiness in us begins to be filled. When we stop and we give God the place and the space to pour into us bringing ourselves into God's presence. You know, we have to be able to come into that and, and sit and open up and admit that, that we need that emptiness filled, right? 
mean, we have to be able to bring that to God. Open that up and share it. There's an old, uh, old teaching that comes out of the Buddhist tradition where the student comes to the master and says, you know, master, I've come for enlightenment. And the master says, ah, it's wise that you've come to be enlightened. Sit and, and, and I'll pour tea for us. And he begins to pour tea and the cup pretty soon fills up and then it begins to spill over into the saucer and then it begins to spill over into the floor. And the student goes, master, master, stop, you're, you're, you're spilling the tea. And the master goes, oh, that's right. You can't pour tea into a cup that's already full right? You have to have that space to come and be willing to admit that you're empty and you need God to fill you up. But that happens one-on-one, privately, quietly, not in front of everybody else. Wesley writes, when you pray, enter into your closet. When you've shut the door, pray to your Father, which is in secret. There's a time when, when you are openly to glorify God to pray and praise Him in the great congregation. But when you desire more largely and more particularly to make your request known unto God, whether it be in the evening or in the morning or at noonday, enter into your closet and shut the door. Use all the privacy you can. Only leave it not undone. Whether you have any closet, any privacy or not, pray to God. If it be possible when none sees, but... If otherwise, pray to God. Thus pray to your Father which is in secret. Pour out your heart before Him, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. You need to have that space where you go and you step away and go one-on-one face-to-face with God and allow God to fill the emptiness of your soul. And if you're not sure what the words are to say, Jesus gives us the model in the Lord's Prayer. About two years ago, we spent a lot of time with this, and so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with this this morning, but, but this model really covers pretty much everything that you're going to need to lift up in prayer if you think about it. If you go through it and you pull it apart sentence by sentence, you'll start to see that. You know, our, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. I mean, this word of praise, this word of adoration, this recognition of who God is and our relationship with God that begins at Father, the loving God, holy, the God who is above all. So this opening of adoration, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This act of submission to God, offering yourself up and offering up, you know, your life to God. It's not about our will be done as it is on earth or my will be done or our community's will or our culture's will. It's about God's will. It's about submitting to what God wants to see happen. Give us this day our daily bread. In some places, that is literally a request for physical sustaining. But for most of us, this is a request for spiritual sustenance. Give us what we need to keep our spirit and our souls alive today. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, in our version of the Lord's Prayer that Thomas led us in a minute ago, we used the word trespass, and I don't know when that came to be used so broadly in, in the church, but... But, but debts is actually the literal translation of the word uh, that Jesus used. And it's because in the Hebrew understanding, when you did something to injure someone else, you created a debt or an obligation to them. And so to forgive the debt is to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that go. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be reconciled to that person or everything's going to be fine and hunky dory, but you're going to let that debt go. And know that in doing so, God is also going to let the debt that you owe God go. 
Now, this, this is part of the prayer that I want to tell you. If you've never thought about it, you need to be careful about praying this because come down here toward the end of this, this the last sentence. You know, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. Because if you say, forgive me in the same way that I've forgiven others, the reverse of that is that if you are refusing to forgive others, you're basically telling God, it's okay not to forgive me. So you need to pray that with a certain amount of, of uh, trepidation, intention, seriousness, and understand that, that for most of us, forgiveness of other people doesn't start with our conversation with them. It starts in our conversation with God. Because the truth is, most of us don't want to forgive. And we have to have God working in us to move us to that place. And so you need God to move you to release that debt from others so that your debt can be released and do not bring us to the time of trial but rescue us from the evil one now that that language is a, a little uncomfortable for some of us in our modern culture and yet i, I i'm just going to continue to insist that if you read the newspaper and if you look at the news and you follow things that there's no way to deny the reality of evil in the midst of the world we live in it's out there and before you begin pointing your finger at all those other evil people, remember there's three fingers pointing back at you. And before you get so worried about fixing everybody else's evil, maybe you ought to invite God to fix yours. Protect us. Protect us. Guard us. And then he moves on. Whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. How many of you practice fasting on any kind of a regular basis? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So here we are in America, the most overfed and overweight nation on the face of the earth, and we can't skip a couple of meals for God? Really? We can't decide to take maybe one day a week and skip one meal or two meals so that we deny our physical sustenance in order to seek our spiritual sustenance? We've decided it's more important to fill our belly than to fill our soul. And if you haven't tried this, I'm just going to encourage you, provided you don't have any kind of a medical condition, uh, I'm going to encourage you to give it a try. To take at least one meal a day or two meals a day sometime in the week and set that aside and deny the physical sustenance of your body and use that time instead to seek the spiritual sustaining of your soul. If you need a guide with that, uh, if you go uh, on uh, Seedbed on the Daily Text and you go down to the bottom of the page, there's a place you can click. That link will take you to the uh, Daily Fast uh, page. Uh, JD sends out guidance once a week. This is week whatever of the Daily Fast. And here's the scripture for the day, and this is what we're focusing on, and this is the prayer focus for the day. And, and he'll walk you through it. It's a great way to get started. But to come together and to understand that, that when you do that, the point of that is not to go around bragging to everybody that you're doing it. But instead, to be more intentional about focusing yourself on God for that period of time.
Because until we feel the emptiness in, in the midst of that last matroshka, until we feel that emptiness, all the rest of it really doesn't matter. That's the goal, to get there at that point of filling that. Wesley would write, You who have tasted of the grace of God in Christ are thoroughly convinced that your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. So that the end of your praying is not to inform God as though He knew not your wants already, but rather to inform yourselves, to fix the sense of those wants more deeply in your hearts, and the sense of your continual dependence on Him who only is able to supply all your wants. It is not so much to move God who is always more ready to give than you are to ask as to move yourselves that you may be willing and ready to receive the good things he's prepared for you. I mean, to place yourself in a position where you open up the emptiness of yourself, you pour out your heart so that God can pour his heart into you is the place of receiving the deep blessing. So the last day we're in Matete, uh, we're, we're at the table in the office over there, and we're meeting with the staff and uh, kind of having a debriefing, you know, what, what, what did you see, what impressed you, what did we do well, what did we need to change, I mean, we're having this conversation back and forth, and, uh, and exchanging gifts with each other and hugging each other and getting ready to say goodbye, and before we part, uh, somebody uh, asks, you know, if anyone wants to pray, and uh, Laura uh, Williams, who's with us, says, uh, I, I'd like to pray, and so we all gather up, and, and Laura begins to pray, and she just, I mean, she just opens her mouth, and the words begin to spill out. I mean, just, just this tremendous prayer of, of praise and, and thanksgiving and joy and, and blessing, and the words just tumble out of her, and, you know, we're all, you know, crying and saying amen and, and going through this, and, and she comes to the end of that prayer, and she wraps it up, and we're all kind of wiping tears off of our face, and I look over at her, and she looks at me, and she goes, y'all, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's the way it should be. You know, for a moment, she just kind of stepped aside and let God move through her and speak through her. And what an amazing word of, of, of praise it was and joy it was. Folks, that's, that's what we're longing to find. And so don't, don't practice your faith out there. Take that time and, and step one-on-one face-to-face with God. Pour out your heart before God. And let God pour out his heart into you. Let's pray. Mighty God, we come and we confess to you the the poverty of our faith, the poverty of our spirituality, the, the poverty of our worship. We bring our emptiness to you and we open it up before you and ask that from your heart You fill us with your great love that we might know the the height and the depth and the width and the power and the magnificence of your love, filling the emptiness of our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.